Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our biblical and beautiful Judean health. I'm actually in the middle of uh, shifts of my uh, of my reserve duty right now during this uh, war that we're involved in. Um, you've seen me given the Israel at war. Pulse of Israel updates, trying as best as possible to keep you guys informed about everything that's going on. And right now, I'm sitting with Avigail Gimpel. Shalom, Avigail. Hi, Avi. Thank you so much for having me here today. Well, thank you. Like, I, I just, everyone understand, I don't have time. But no. for Avigail, I made time. And I'm here, and I just got off a whole night shift. Um, got to go to sleep before my next one. But this is really, really important. And, um... I will let Abigail tell the story because she has a very unique and important perspective of this war effort. So, you want to tell your story, Abigail? Sure, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll ask as we go along. Okay, so um, two weeks ago, as the bodies, the body count was building up, um, we needed extra people. The country needed extra people to prepare bodies for for burial. And I'll just give everyone just, go ahead. In Judaism, for those of you who are not familiar, we have a a, a ritual purification process uh, before burying a body, and uh, there's a special group of people, holy, holy people. Men do this job for. Males who pass away, women do this job for women who pass away. It's called the Chevra Kadisha, and they're the ones that do this ritual uh, purification process with a body, preparing it then for burial. And that is what uh, Avigail does in our community in the Koshetzion area. And here you were called upon. Yeah, so my husband and I and other members of the entire Gushetzion community were called upon in order to uh, prepare these bodies for burial. Uh, we had no idea what was going to be facing us, but we went Saturday night. My son is on the front lines. Your son is on the front lines. And I felt like if we were being called to be on the front lines to prepare these bodies for, for final burial and with these terribly suffering families, we had no choice but to go. This was already Saturday night after Simchat Torah, meaning the day. No, no, this is this week. This has literally this been the longest been a week, long, a week ever since. This was a week since, and it took so long to identify the bodies, and I and I didn't understand why until I got there on Saturday night. Um, and that way, I, and I know we in our own community were affected by this, impacted by this, because friends of ours here in our community, they lost their son, Real E. Weiser. He That's was right. one of the soldiers who fought valiantly and saved his base right on the Gaza border. Oh, my God. Saving, like, 12 of his soldiers, his fellow, his friends. But he himself was killed in battle. Um, and they were notified, I think, Tuesday that he was killed, but when they wanted, and then the burial was supposed to be, I think, Wednesday, and then all of a sudden, we started hearing burial can't be Wednesday because they can't find his body. Yeah. Because of the, to the, the, the enormous amount of bodies, all of a sudden, like, <laughs> we're, we're not prepared for such a mass mass casualty. Well, there's other things. Besides okay. for not being prepared for mass casualties, we have a group of holy men called Zaka, 
And uh, their job is to get out and uh, rescue bodies and body parts and anything and uh, to bring to proper Jewish burial. We, we also have a, a, a Jewish understanding that a, bar- a body is meant to be buried complete. So, so they went out right after this horrible, horrible pogrom and uh, they tried to get close to, to rescue the dead bodies for, for very, very fast burial, but they couldn't get close. That was the problem. They were still terrorists in the area. And not only that, this is something my son told me. My son is, is right there at the Gaza border. I'll probably repeat that a couple of times as, as a mom, uh, trying to absorb that as we go every day. And, you know, just speaking with your wife about that, we, we had a good hug over it, but, uh, uh, he said that there are some bodies that are still there in the communities, and I didn't know this. And the reason they're still there is because these evil, evil people put bombs into their bodies. They booby trapped those holy bodies, and they can't, Zaka can't get close to them, and we can't get close to them because, God forbid, it could kill all of the men and women going to purify the bodies for burial. So there's not only the mass casualty, there's also the fact that we couldn't even get close to the bodies, and some of them were too dangerous to touch until today, which is shocking. But we got there Saturday night, prepared for whatever was going to come, and there's no way to describe what we actually saw uh, we i mean i don't know how graphic i'm allowed to be avi i don't i don't want to be, be uh, as real so people understand what avi Gail saw with her own eyes now and this is very important because just to give people context still today close to two weeks after the massacre there are plenty of news outlets journalists influencers politicians and people saying that it's all a lie Right. It's all lie. It's all AI created. Jews weren't massacred. Uh, Jews weren't killed. Uh, babies weren't massacred. Weren't mutilated. Heads weren't cut off. The whole lies, lies, lies. And um, as as opposed to when Islamic Jihad bombed a hospital in Gaza, all of a sudden, with no proof whatsoever, the world headlines was Israel shot and destroyed a Gaza hospital, killing 500 people. All lies, all lies. So the media ran with that lies, but so many people still don't want to believe the truth about the massacre that happened to us. So it's important that people hear whatever you feel comfortable saying as not just an eyewitness, but as someone who actually dealt with these bodies. What happened to us? What happened to our bodies? What happened to our fellow innocent Jews of all ages? Well, we got bodies that had no heads. The men, the women, children that were decapitated. We got bodies that, it, you know, the women who go to do these preparations, they're, we're pretty tough. We are. We, you know, you have to put on your toughest armor and, and just do it for the sake of God, for the sake of these holy women uh, who gave their lives for the name of God. But there were bags that we received that were just ash from the ovens of Auschwitz, just a bag of ashes that had to be identified by DNA. We saw women that were stripped and violated. We saw grandparents with their hands tied behind their backs with multiple gun wounds on their bodies. These are the things we've been seeing all week, body after body after body, and 
you know what I've been doing? We, we wrap them up so that when they, when their bodies are, are presented to the family for burial, they're clean and they're pure. But we have to hold the, the body up and I'm holding these bodies against my stomach, you know, where I carried my own children. And I'm, 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 I'm embracing this beautiful woman who's given me the honor to, to escort her on her last journey. And I, and I'm thanking her because I've never been so close to holiness in my entire life. But I've also never been so close to evil. I have never seen this level of evil. This is not a war. This is not about territory. This is about good and evil. Somebody who could tie a grandfather's hands behind his back and shoot him in the face. Someone who could take a grandmother and choke her with her own curtains in her home and decapitate children, that's not a war. That's pure, pure evil. And my eyes could never unsee it. It's, um, being that just personally thrown just into this war, and I don't think I'm just talking to myself, meaning thrown into the war immediately on some chaturah to run out the door, put on my uniform, hold the gun, and go out and start defending to make sure this doesn't happen again anywhere else. I've held back from crying. And yeah. I know, I know the stories. I know the stories. I've seen videos. I've seen pictures. But I've held back from crying. And I, I guess it's just a... And I'm, I'm, I've, I've teared plenty of times. But it's just like this psychological, and your background is psychology, so I'm sure you can... Uh, no, it's education. Education, yeah. also psychology. Yeah, somewhat, yeah. Just like the, the self-preservation mechanism to, 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 to deal with, with, with the now. But just hearing you see these things and knowing that you personally saw them and, and, and dealt with them. And I, I even heard that there are some cases where people in the Cheva Kadisha or Zaka, I don't know, have, have said to family members, you, you don't see them, don't look at them. You can't. You can't. The family can. I want, I, I want you to know that the bodies are unrecognizable. They're unrecognizable. They're, they're, they're the color, they, they've already decayed very quickly. They were left in the field for days in this, under the, the hot sun. If it, it, would, it would cause the family way too much trauma to, to actually look at the bodies. What we've been doing is, is taking pictures of, of fingernails and of tattoos, if there are, so that the, the parents just know that that's my, that's my child, that's my sister. Um, and, and we've been doing that, but otherwise what we, what we do out of respect for this beautiful woman or child, we, we immediately cover, cover the face, cover the body, um, so that there's no disgust. There's nothing disgusting about this, this, this beautiful Jewish soul. The only disgust is for the, what the people did to them, but families absolutely cannot look at what I've seen. And it's interesting because you touched upon this in terms of mentioning how you are, you've been blessed with the opportunity in this horrible, horrible, evil situation to be part of the holy process of bringing them to the next world. Right. And uh, I don't know how many people understand this, but in, in Judaism, 
there is a concept of dying or being killed or being massacred. Al Kiddush Hashem, right? Um, your death, you're, by a Jew being killed because he's a Jew, their death is a sanctification of God's name. They, they are holy. doesn't make a difference what they accomplished in their lives. doesn't make a difference. The fact that they were killed for being a Jew, that whole reason, they, uh, they are on a whole different holy, holy level. So every single Jew, every single Israeli Jew murdered in terror attacks or in this massacre, they are all holy spirits going up, going up to the heavens. Which brings up an interesting issue because I've heard that someone killed in a terror attack, Al-Kiddush Hashem, does not need Tahara, does not need the purification process right. because they are, they are holy in of itself and they go straight to the grave as soon as possible. So how do you explain the, why you're needed to do this work for all of these people who were massacred and Al-Kiddush Hashem? Right, so those of us in the burial society were trained um, to do a full uh, cleansing of the body, dressing of the of the dead body, wrapping them in these pure linen garments before burial, uh, and that's for a regular person who's passed away after a long, wonderful life. Um, the the process is completely different here. The goal is to that their their that that outer garment, the tachrichim, they're called. That outer garment is clean and pure. Meaning that we have to make sure that that there's that the wounds are not bleeding and that um, the the body is covered in a way that it doesn't cause trauma to the family and that they go into the ground um, with with this this pure linen garment that's unsoiled. That's the entire process. We're not washing hands and feet. Um, there's you know we also as the burial society there's certain prayers that we say, um, but here we're we have our own prayers in our own hearts. Um, what we do is what we do that's similar is that we put dust over the person's face really by their eyes because we say out loud from, from the dust you came until the dust you return. So we do do that. Um, but other than that, the process looks completely different and our sages were very wise to do that because in so far 90% of the cases that, that I've had, that I've had the, the honor and the privilege to deal with, um, there was no way to prepare the bodies in that way because they would, God forbid, fall apart. And in some cases, there wasn't a body anymore. And and the family doesn't have to know that. And, um, you know, I just, my heart just goes out to every single family who's lost a, lost a loved one, their communities, their neighbors, their, all of us, all of us, knowing that each each body that we prepare has destroyed an entire family, an entire neighborhood, a town, and all of us. And there are unfortunately too many whole families who are massacred, totally wiped out. Yeah, we've we've had to do um, tire road on, on two families. We we had one day where we had twin girls that were that were embracing each other when they died. When they were murdered. How are you? Ask me that in the middle of next year. Right now, I'm I'm moving forward. You have your shield up. I have my shield up. I'm holding strong. 
and uh, at some point I'll process it. And I think having, I want to thank you having this conversation and, and being able to reach out to anyone who's brave enough to listen is, is therapy for me too, to be able to know that these people did not die in vain, that the world knows what happened to these people and that none of these lies and none of the horrible propaganda that's coming out, the anti-Semitism, the evil that's coming out is, it can hold. We have to fight this. We have to push back and say, no, this is absolutely real. And for me, that, that, that's how I'm dealing with it is by just sending the message out and, and, and trying to be the mouthpiece for all of these beautiful souls who are no longer with us and their families. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add to that in terms of you really um, concisely honing in on the situation that we're talking about good versus evil. There are protests going all over the world in support of Hamas, in support of the massacring these innocent Jews. And on the one hand, it's like, Wait, what, what world are we living in? It's impossible. What world are we... What, where I actually heard a speaker at one protest saying in these exact words, and the terrorists flew in on, on hang gliders into the music concert, and then they just massacred the, the, the Jews who were singing and dancing, and everyone was clapping. In New York City. Oh, my God. It's like the level of evil. And then yesterday I saw a video of a Columbia professor screaming, parents, don't send your your kids to Columbia University because they allow pro-terror student organizations to protest and make campus unsafe. Like, this is... And he's a professor at Columbia University. I'm saying for Columbia, Harvard, Stanford, NYU, and I'm sure those are not the only ones. Like, these campuses are now safe zones for pro-terror organizations making campus unsafe for your children. Right. This is now the world we're living in. And it's important that people understand and, and, and hear as much as possible to be able to be better prepared. One, to be the best people we can be, right? We're all, we're all students and know the, the studies of uh, the teachings of Rev, Rev Cook. He goes, the best way to get rid of darkness is by spreading light. So our job, our main job is spreading light, spreading the, the, the deeper connection with God, a deeper faith, a deep, uh, deeper good deeds and spreading being good, but not ignoring evil. We have to, we have to be cognizant of the evil and not ignore it in order then to really help ourselves and everyone get out of it because ignoring it just doing good and ignoring the fact that there's evil well that brought us to this situation today so right now's the time to make the change well Gail, thank you so much for opening up not not easy at all and not easy for anyone to to hear so thank you everyone for staying and listening and even though this is hard share this video everyone must know this information and here you have first hand so don't let anyone of your friends family neighbors go around saying oh it's not true oh it's a lie all oh, those jews all oh, those zionists oh the state of israel no, no 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 this is true and they're ignoring real evil that's not only coming after us here in the land of israel they're going to be coming after all of you these protests on college campuses 
they got evil, and they're going to be coming after you much worse than the BLM protests. Unless you stop it. And you can only stop it by knowing about it. Thank you, Avikai. Thank you. Thank you. Shalom. Signing off for a very hard but important Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our beautiful, eternal, and biblical Judean hells. Strengthen your faith in the one above. We are in the Geula redemption process, and unfortunately part of it is also this badness, this evil. It's up to us to spread the good and put down and get rid of the evil. Thanks for watching, everyone. Shalom. Amen. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.